Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. How do you keep your children safe on social media? Do you keep them away from it? Do you regulate which platforms they use or how often? As much as social media has changed our lives as adults, it has absolutely warped reality for young people. We're going to talk today with the founder of an app that helps protect children from the downsides of social media, and we want to hear from you. How do you keep the young people in your lives safe on social media? That's next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. To Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Like, retweet, repost, repeat. We've all become denizens of a world that is driven and shaped by our social media habits, that constant urge to interact. And that dopamine hip you get when you hear that ding sound on your phone or see that notification. It's satisfying and even addictive. And it's the way so many of us begin and end each day and the way so many of us spend hours and hours each week. As adults, we're able to think this through and talk about it in ways that help us cope with that addiction, help us maybe peel away from social media sometimes. But that's a lot harder if you're a child. For a lot of them, they believe the next post or the next notification could change their entire existence. They're in like a lottery situation. One 15-second TikTok video could make them famous or infamous. As I said, a lot of us can't imagine life without social media, and some of us really want it just to go away. But it's a different subject when we're talking about our kids. Their brains are just developing and trying to develop alongside all of these pressures from these platforms that generations ago we couldn't even imagine dealing with. And that's got a lot of people thinking about how we ought to regulate social media when it comes to people under the age of 18. Utah, for instance, recently signed a bill that put time restrictions on social media use for people under the age of 18. On the national stage, a bipartisan group of senators put forth a bill that bars children under 13 from accessing social media sites at all. More and more people seem skeptical of the potential positive benefits on young people's lives of social media. The U.S. Surgeon General warns that 13 itself is too young to be on social media, and the American Psychological Association recently released a report advising adults to monitor social media use among adolescents. Locally, the Dexter Community Schools and at least 11 others here in Michigan have filed a lawsuit against social media giants for harm they inflict on young users. Later in the hour, we're going to talk with an attorney from the France Law Group about their representation of Dexter Community Schools and about that lawsuit. But before we get there, we want to ask the big question. Why exactly are so many Americans concerned about social media use, especially among young people right now? What kind of harm 
is being done to young people when they use these different social media platforms? And what kind of guardrails should there be, if any, for kids and teens who are using things like Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter and having those things shape their lives and their development? That's where we begin the conversation today. And of course, we want to hear from you on the phones and on social. Call and tell us, how do you regulate your children's use of social media? Do you regulate it? Do you keep them away from certain platforms? Do you put a limit on the amount of time they get to spend on those platforms? Are you somebody who has said, absolutely no way? Your children aren't allowed to be on social media. Tell us how all of that works. Tell us about the tensions that arise from all of those kinds of ideas and questions. And tell us what you think the government ought to be doing about regulating social media. Should it be more tightly regulated when it comes to young people? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you in the conversation. We've got a great guest with us now to talk about the ways in which we might rethink children's interaction with social media. Jacob Martino is the founder and CEO of Radar, R-A-A-D-R, that is, an app that helps children safely navigate social media sites. Jacob, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me on, Stephen. Yeah. So let's talk about how kids interact with social media today. Sure. What is that process like? How different is it depending on their ages? And what effect is social media having not just on their lives and their social interactions, but on their development as human sure. beings. Yeah, it's really taken over. It's unprecedented what kids have at their fingertips, Stephen. Um, you know, first of all, let's just look at the time, the screen time, right? How much time kids are actually spending on phones. Um, I've, been, I've been in this space since 2015. And when I started Radar, you know, things weren't like they were now. Right, they've evolved and, and they're even evolving faster now. So the social media interactions and, and especially kids just not having any social media etiquette, right? Mm -hmm. They don't know how to interact online because they're children. And that's why this has become so deadly. If we just look at TikTok, just TikTok this past month, we've lost over 10 kids to challenges stupid, idiotic, ridiculous challenges where kids are drinking Benadryl. Kids are holding their breath too long. Kids are racing in vehicles, right? Mm -hmm. So these are things that catch on with big groups of teens. And it has become very deadly, Stephen. The interactions with kids on social media now really result in, in three big things. There's three big categories. The first one, which is Radar, completely goes after is the cyberbullying. Cyberbullying is out of control. It's, it's, it's not like when we were kids when you're in the locker room and you're getting picked on by the school bully. Nowadays, it's five, six, seven kids mm. ganging up on one kid bullying that kid to the point of suicide. Or, as we've seen in the news, like in Uvalde, Texas, like in Tennessee, like in your state of Michigan, there are stories of kids that have been bullied, that have then turned around and gone online for weeks and talk about harm that they're going to bring to others and to schools. And guess what happens, Stephen? they go to that school and bring campus violence to that school. These things continue to happen at an unprecedented rate. And that's where Radar kind of steps in and bridges the gap for parents now. So what our app does, and to answer your question with what kids are dealing with, our app focuses in on these challenges, 
our app focuses in on these keywords. Our app focuses in on this dialogue that can become deadly. And all too many times do we hear about in the news another suicide. I can give you three or four suicides right now that just happened within the past 30 days, all resulting, and these are just ones that I research and find out about, all resulting from cyberbullying, right? From kids being out of control online and making fun of others. So like you mentioned with the state of Utah, other states are starting to fall in line. And 13 is way too young for a kid to be using social media. The average kid nowadays is eight years old when they get a phone. The average child is exposed to pornography at eight years old. It's disgusting. And like I said, it's unprecedented. So to talk about kids and using these phones that cost thousands of dollars, their parents have to be vigilant, Stephen. Mm. They not only have to be vigilant, but parents need to understand that social media giants like Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, they could care less about your kid's safety. They do not care. That's already been put out. There have been whistleblowers that have come out and they've talked about the algorithms in Facebook, the algorithms in Instagram that these kids are dying from, right? They also know, I live in Phoenix, Arizona, which is a border state, the cartel is very influential hmm. in selling fentanyl, in selling dope through Instagram messaging through TikTok messaging and Twitter messaging. So what Radar does is we focus on these things and we give a parent a snapshot to really get to see what's going on with their child online. Yeah. So uh, I, I want to talk just a little about um, why you believe or how we know that these things that are happening, these negative consequences, are about the social media platforms and the access to them and not about just the way American life is shaped and configured these days. For, for instance, if you got rid of uh, child access to TikTok, wouldn't this behavior surface somewhere else because we live in a world where this kind of technology uh, exists and where there are these other pressures on young people. There are other uh, institutions that have broken down or or receded in in their lives, and that they are th these things are as much a driver of that behavior as social media. Talk about why you why you focus on social media here. Uh, it's it's really the biggest area for children and exposure. Um, you know, it's, it's unprecedented, and the way things are evolving with technology, it's, it's just a very, very, very scary, um, you know, forefront that kids are faced with nowadays. You know, social media is great for business. I truly believe that. I think social media is great for adults who want to connect with family. I think social media can be great in certain ways, but when you're talking about a child's safety, and you're talking about the over-sexualization of young women, especially on social media. I think that laws can be passed. And yeah, are kids going to still try and get around it? Of course they are. But we are going to prevent more suicides. We are going to prevent more campus violence by being vigilant about shutting it down for kids. Okay? There, 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 to me, there is no, like you know, fair consequence for a child to be subjected to violence from bullying, right? The only way that we can keep a handle on this is by falling in line with the state of Utah. The only line, the only way that anybody can, can really keep a handle on this are making restrictions. It's got to start at a government level. People need to be lobbying. There needs to be more than just me out here trying to do this, right? And it's not just me. There's others that are very passionate about this. But the, the, the fact of the matter is right now is there should be major restrictions, regardless of kids can get around these restrictions. I could care less because it's going to save lives. 
Kids do not have social media etiquette, Stephen. They do not have it. And you could be a kid from a great home with both parents, and they're all over your social media, and still you could overdose, and still you could be a part of something that ends up taking your life. It so, happens all the time. So again, though, like, how do we know that social media is the cause of this? Or are you arguing that it's an accelerant for this behavior and that that is the reason it, it, should, be, it should be regulated? I mean, again, I'm, I'm trying to get at this, this really, I think, fundamental question about how we know that social media is itself the problem here. Well, if you look at statistics and you look at the world that we live in, right? Like social media is not only the problem, it's also the accelerator too. When have kids ever had access to phones like this, right? Mm -hmm. When have kids ever had access to pornography like this? It's just at the click of a finger. And then when they see adults and, and, and leadership too, politicians, presidents, anybody, the, the, the way that individuals act on social media is a direct reflection of how our kids are acting now. It's terrible for kids to be on social media. It's terrible. It's not, it's not uplifting. It's not helping them. And if you look at the statistics, Stephen, kids are dying from ridiculous challenges every day. So how can we stop this, right? That should be your real question. How can we stop this? Because we know social media is not only the problem. It's also the accelerator, too. Why is it the problem? Well, if you look at it, it really breaks down to the family, the fracture in the family, the fracture with mom and dad, right? Mom and dad are responsible for these kids. They're responsible for their children. So if you're bringing kids up in this day and age and your kids have a phone, a couple apps they should have to have. One of them is Radar. Another one I'm a big fan of is Life360, which tracks their every movement. If parents aren't vigilant, it's on the parent. Bad parenting and terrible parents are one of the reasons we're in this situation now because they're not vigilant enough. I don't know if you have kids, Stephen, but most parents should be all over their kids every day knowing who they're talking to, what they're talking about, and, and what they're expressing online. How does a parent do that? The Radar app. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with uh, Jacob D. Martino. He's the founder and CDEO at Radar, an app that helps protect children against social media use. We'll also get going with you, the listeners, on the phones and on social. 313-577-1019 is the number here. Call and tell us how you regulate social media use for your children, whether you really fear the things that they might be encountering on social media, the kinds of things that they're doing to interact with other people that could lead to really dangerous situations. Uh, also, give us a sense of whether you think the government ought to be regulating social media in a different way to keep more young people from the dangers uh, of these platforms. 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll start when we come back with John and Royal Oak, Linda in Detroit, Charlie in Detroit. Again, if you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. WDET is your connection to what's happening in Detroit. WDET is your place for open dialogue about the issues that impact you. Stay in the know. This is WDET FM, Detroit's NPR station. General of the United States says that social media use is a disservice to many of the children in our country. Let's listen to Vivek Murthy and what he says about social media. I personally, based on the data I've seen, believe that 13 is too early. 
kids are developing their identity, their sense of self. It's a time where it's really important for us to be thoughtful about what's going into how they think about their own self-worth and their relationships. And the skewed and often distorted environment of social media often does a disservice to many of those children. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for joining. We're talking today about social media and our children, uh, what they do on social media, the consequences of what they do on social media, and how we regulate their interaction with these platforms that have, of course, changed our worlds as adults, but really have a very different effect or can have a very different effect on young minds. Our guest right now is Jacob DiMartino. He is the founder and CEO of an app called Radar that's spelled R-A-A-D-R. It's an app that helps protect children against social media use. It allows parents in school districts and law enforcement to monitor things like threatening behavior, something we see a lot on social media, in real time. We want to hear from you uh, during this conversation as well. What do you make of social media and your children? How do you manage your children's social media use? Uh, Do you think you need help from the government regulating these platforms in a different way than we do to make sure that kids stay safe? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can work you into the conversation. We're going to start today with John in Royal Oak. John, what's on your mind? Hey there, Stephen. Uh, I'm a common Twitter commenter under the username Boomy, but uh, I just wanted to say that uh, the digital footprint that children leave behind will follow them for most of their lives, and we're seeing this with politicians and many people who speak out nowadays. And then people kind of screenshot a post from 2013, and they're like, "This is you." Mm-hmm. So. We have to be mindful that our children are very susceptible to putting stuff out on the Internet and uh, just kind of monitor that. Yeah, John, uh, so tell me, do you have children? I do not have children. I'm only 22, so it's not in there for me, but I got little siblings, and I'm constantly reminding them of what you put out there. It'll come back to bite you. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're somebody who was a young person not long ago. Uh, how did you manage social media? How did your parents manage your use of social media when you were younger? So I didn't get my first actual phone until I was 14. I used to have dummy phones that I had to use Wi-Fi uh, for. (laughs) So that was one way. I just didn't have access to a lot of people. And then once I did get social media, um, I was very quickly exposed to how many predators and how many like weird adults are on the internet. Mm. And, um, I kind of just found a small community of people who were able to, like, kind of keep me safe, and we watched each other's backs. So if, you're gonna, if your kid's going to be online and have friends and stuff, you have to make sure that you vet their friends as well, yeah. because there were people who were bad actors that were trying to get information from small children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John, really appreciate the call uh, and, and that insight. Uh, Jacob Martino. I want to talk a little more about what they're talking about doing in Utah, and, and you're a, a, an advocate of what Utah oh, is trying to do. Um, uh, how does that work? Uh, it puts some guardrails in place, I know, but how is it? In, how how do you even enforce something like that? Uh, you, you hear John talking about the way his parents governed his social media use. How can the government uh, actually do that? Right. You know, um, first of all, great question. Secondly, it's something uh, we're going to see a lot more of. Like I said. Um, you know, I think that the state of Utah is fed up. Children's and teens in Utah. Uh, would lose access to social media apps like TikTok um, if they don't have their parental consent and other, uh, you know, restrictions under a first-in-the-nation law designed to, really, it's designed to shield young people from the harms of social media and for to becoming addictive. So, you know, state legislatures and, and, and states can step in and do this, and, and once they start enforcing it, the way this will happen is parents are going to be held responsible. I, I, like I've been saying, they've already been held responsible in other scenarios and situations where kids have committed suicide and the kids that were bullying 
that individual who committed suicide, those parents of the kid that's the bully, they get in trouble. They get consequences that come in them, and sometimes they end up going to jail. It's happened in Florida a couple times. So what Utah is doing is unprecedented because they're coming out and they're saying, hey, look, we're putting laws to protect our kids, and it's going back on the parents. So when this passes, if parents aren't, you know, abiding by these laws and letting their kids, um, you know, just freely be on social media without following these rules for young teens and young kids, then what you're going to start seeing a lot of, Stephen, is parents getting in trouble, whether that's through some sort of of citation whether that's through some sort of fine mm. i don't know how utah is actually going to come down with it they haven't put those details in but i do know that they're taking bullying cyberbullying, campus violence and suicide very 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 serious serious enough to basically say hey between the hours of 10 30 p.m and 6 30 a.m uh required age verification for anyone who wants to access TikTok, mm. right? Yeah. Required age verification. So if a kid is sneaking in and spoofing and lying about their age and getting on that app, then guess what? That goes back to the parents. Yeah. And the parents would be, you know, really liable for this child who's lying online, who's, who's you know, accessing these social media giants um, within those time periods because those time periods are crucial. 10.30 to 6.30 a.m., um, a lot of the things that we've seen in private messaging and a lot of the situations that we've uncovered just through our app, a lot of times happen at night, yeah. later in the night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, John, really appreciate the call. Uh, let's go next to Claire in Washington, Michigan. Claire, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much for this topic today, Steve, and I really sure. appreciate the things that you and your guests have had to say on this. Um, part of what I wanted to call about is um, we have a 10-year-old son, and we were very nervous about getting him a smartphone, um, And we did, but we knew going into middle school that he was going to need it on a bus and stuff. We had looked for a product that would allow us to have some sort of control over his access mm. to the phone, mm -hmm. and we landed on a software company called Pinwheel, and I just wanted to know if your guest today had any insight or um, other thoughts into other products that could potentially help parents along with the product that um, he has, Radar, sure. um, uh, Claire, and what the phone can do. Mm -hmm. Claire, can you tell us more about Pinwheel or Pinwheel, uh, how it works? Yeah, so uh, Pinwheel, with, with the research that I had done, we found it was developed in consortium with various therapists as well, child psychologists. And it really locks down what my son has access to on his phone. Mm. Um, we have 100% transparency into all of his text messaging. He can't even add new friends or phone numbers into the phone without us approving it. So we always make sure that he knows, like, you can, we see everything you send. You can't delete it. Wow. Um, we can even choose whether or not he can send images back and forth to friends. My mom has tried to send him silly, innocent YouTube videos, and they don't even come through with the settings that are on the phone. Mm -hmm. So he can't even send that sort of stuff back and forth. We just, you know, we, he needs training wheels. He, he, You know, he's grown up with smart devices, but we thought he needed some training wheels for it. And that's why we chose this product. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, so, so, Claire, I, I, that, that sounds like a, a really great approach to trying to – Make sure that uh, your son doesn't get exposed to inappropriate content or doesn't have inappropriate interactions on social media. But I wonder what you make of the argument that 10 is just too young. Uh, the Surgeon General, uh, we heard him uh, say that he thought in some cases 13 might be uh, too young. Our guest uh, believes that 13 might be too young. Talk to me about how your family thinks through the age and whether 10, I, I guess, is, is the right age. How did you come up with, with that as, uh, as the time to introduce social media? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he doesn't have social media that my husband and I are aware of at this point. We've told him he's not allowed to have any social media. Mm -hmm. And I believe that this phone even blocks him downloading some of those apps. Some apps just aren't approved mm -hmm. on that phone to be downloaded. Um, and we, we struggled with it, but the, the big 
reason why we did is he's he's going to be on a bus going back and forth to middle school next year, and it's a big change um, for him if he misses a bus and he needs to call us to come pick him up. You know, there's not pay phones around when I was a kid. Sure. You know, like when I was younger, if we missed the bus, mom and dad always had a bag of change in our backpack, and <laughs> we used the pay phone to call. Um, yeah. So I know it's, I'm kind of dating myself a little bit with that. But. No, I, I, I'm from the same era, Claire. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, you know, it's just they need it for that kind of access. And yeah. I do also want him to have access to, you know, be able to, if he sees something happening that's not okay, does he take a, a photo of it so he can show something that's happening? You sure. know, it sure. kind of goes both ways. Does he have evidence of something that's gone wrong that he can protect somebody with, too? Um, we're trying to talk to him and have those conversations with him. But the earlier caller talked about how their digital footprints will follow them. And that's something that I'm definitely very concerned about. Yeah. Yeah. Claire, I, I, I really love that you called and uh, were so candid about the way that you're thinking this through with your son and, and with your family. I really appreciate uh, you being part of the program. Uh, Jacob, uh, talk about these these kinds of decisions. And w- what I hear in, in Claire's story is this tension between, again, the possibilities and the potential for uh, not just social media, but, but phone access, which of course sure. often comes with internet access, and uh, this downside of, you know, the dangers. Uh, balancing that is the thing that I think yeah. is hardest for parents. It, it really is. Um, Claire brought up some great points and also uh, sounds like a great parent. You know, she's very involved. The thing is, is you want your kid to feel safe too, right? Like, you know, I have an 11-year-old and a 16-year-old, right? And they do. They both have phones. You know, they both have phones. My 11-year-old, we limit it, we monitor it, and, and just like Claire said, it's there for safety. It's there for, okay, if the bus breaks down, if, God forbid, there is somebody that comes into the school and is shooting, right? God forbid something happened when he's at school. Like, that is the great part of technology. They can pick that thing up. They can video it. They can take a picture. They can send it to law enforcement. That's one thing the radar app does is it allows kids to do that in the platform. But the, the you know the downsides way outside, the downsides way outweigh the upsides in my opinion because the children that are at most risk are the children who are using phones on the daily right. That is first thing they do is they get that phone turned on and they mm-hmm. go to their Instagram. Mm-hmm. First thing they do they get their phone turned on they go check their Twitter feed or their their Snapchat feed or their TikTok feed. Those are the kids that are putting all that screen time in, those are the kids that are, are are really putting themselves in harm's way from all of the addictive content, from all of the just the things that they really shouldn't be seeing. There's way too much adult content on social media. So I feel like screen time is the real big one, Stephen. That's what separates a child who's using the phone for safety, right, opposed to a child who is really accelerating things um, that they shouldn't be, yeah. right? Like the content they see, the things that they're engaging in, that's when the bullying starts happening. That's when a lot of the things that um, they shouldn't be interacting in, they start interacting with. And that's when it can get deadly. So being a vigilant parent, you know, um, Claire brought up, uh, I, I, I've heard of this uh, phone before, the pinwheel. It's a great product. It's a great product. Not every parent can afford this, though. This is a phone that is specifically made hmm. to monitor your child, right? Not every household can afford that, but I encourage her to continue to use that. Um, it's a great, great piece of technology. Another great app is Bark Social, too. B-A-R-K, Bark okay. Social. And Life360, I mentioned them earlier. These are all apps I would encourage parents to use. Um, the difference with Radar, though, between Bark and Pinwheel, Radar is a free platform. And Radar is a community platform. So kids can build their own monitoring community within our app. Like one of your callers, uh, the first caller called in, you know, 
he's got younger siblings. He could be a part of their monitoring community. When somebody downloads the Radar app, they can invite their therapist, their pastor, their parents, law enforcement, can all be a part of their monitoring community, really keeping an eye on that child and, and a snapshot on them. So, you know, the, the products are out there. They are. Some parents can afford, some they can't, right? But we've made it very simple at Radar. Free platform, and it engages and keeps parents really in the know because parents do not have the time, Stephen, yeah. to scroll through their kids' posts, to try and do all this social media investigating, right? They don't have time. They need it summarized and sent to them so they can really – be active and keeping an eye on their kid online because yeah. that's what it really comes down to. Yeah. Uh, Claire, again, really appreciate the call and uh, the really candid uh, discussion about how you're dealing with this issue. Let's go next to Linda in Detroit. Linda, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Thanks so much. This has been such a useful and helpful conversation. Oh, good. So I, I have a nine-year-old and um, – I've been thinking a lot recently about this. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up was um, in listening to Claire even talk about what the decisions she'd made with her child is there's a lot of social pressure too around this stuff. You know, there are moms telling me that their kids are on a chat app and my kids should get on that chat app. There are kids telling my daughter to join Roblox and chat with them and play with them there. And so there's a lot of normalization of it, even at the age of nine, and um, there's not enough normalization of these conversations. But as I look to just trying to make it to 13 <laughs> without this, um, <laughs> I am wondering how I can have a healthy relationship with my child and have open and transparent co conversations about this stuff while also building her responsible social media use for the future. I don't want it to be fear-based. Yeah. Um, and I want it to be about this is a great tool for life and for connecting with people. Um, so I'm just wondering if you and your guests have um, any thoughts or recommendations about that. I just want it to yeah. be healthy relationships between us as a family and also between her and the, the phone and the social media use. Yeah, Linda, it's a great question. And and I'll add to that, you know, the, the, the worry that uh, uh, response to social media or contextualization of social media with your kids that that says it's something to be feared or to stay away from risks, you know, the, the, the rebellion, uh, uh, I guess, uh, response, which is that your child goes to find that finds a way to get to social media uh, because you said, Hey, I don't want you doing that, or I think that's uh, I think that's dangerous. Uh, Jacob, what's what's the answer for that particular that that idea of balance? How we introduce sure. our children to responsible social media use? Yep, I, I it falls right back on the parent and good parenting, and and there are so many resources now for parents, and I think it really comes down to the relationship with your child and how vigilant you are on protecting them on social media because as the caller just expressed you know there's all these different outlets on social media they're not all harmful right roblox isn't necessarily harmful right it could be it could be if your child is engaging with individuals they don't know right that's when you open the door for the predators to come in and when we know that those numbers went through the roof during covid the amount of time that kids were home and the amount of time that predators were online trying to get after these kids. So um, there can be a very healthy balance, though, a very, very healthy balance. The biggest thing is knowing what platforms your kids are on and knowing who their friends are on social media. Mm -hmm. That has got to be the biggest thing that a parent has to focus on. Okay, what apps are my kids using? And who are they friends with? And th this doesn't take uh, any, you know, degree of social media, like, intelligence to figure this out. Like, this, these are just the basics. These are things that parents should know at the snap of a finger. My kid's friends with Johnny, Timmy, Sally, and Bobby. Those are the friends on social media. If they're on there and they see people they don't know, that's when red flags should start to come up. Hmm. 
that's when red flags should really, 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 really start to present themselves to parents like, hey, we have to take control of who they're communicating with. Because if it's just friends from school, right? And and again, most kids don't go online looking to cause violence, cause trouble. Kids nowadays, I have kids. I coach football. I'm around kids all the time. Kids want to have fun, right? And you can create a safe environment. But if the parents are not vigilant to answer your question, it's the parent. The parent has to be vigilant. And again, what apps are my kids accessing, right? right? What apps are they on? And who are they communicating with? If a parent can lock those two things down, I feel like many, many situations can be prevented, including some of these tragic ones that I mentioned earlier in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jacob DiMartino, founder and CEO of the Radar app. That's R-A-A-D-R. Uh, great to have you here for this conversation on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate you bringing this topic to light and hopefully your users gain some, some valuable knowledge today from this. Sure. When we come back, we are going to continue discussing social media's impact on children. We're going to turn to the Dexter Community Schools, which are filing a lawsuit against some big social media companies. We'll talk with a lawyer who is representing that school district next. We'll also continue to hear from you on the phones and on social. 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we can include you that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for joining. Different legislatures around the country are working to protect children from the worst aspects of social media. That's true in Montana and Minnesota and in Utah. And in Michigan, too, people are working to prevent social media companies from harming kids. Recently, the Dexter Community Schools and at least 11 other schools joined a lawsuit against Meta, the parent company of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, also against Snapchat, TikTok, YouTube, and others for the harm they have caused the students in those schools. Talk about this lawsuit. We've got uh, William Shinoff here. He is an attorney at the France Law Group in San Diego, which represents Dexter Community Schools alongside the Thrun Law Firm. William, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you very much. So talk to us about what this lawsuit is all about. What are you saying that is the harm that social media companies are causing children and why are the schools, I guess, the right plaintiffs for uh, those harms? Yeah, absolutely. So we're bringing these lawsuits under a legal theory called public nuisance. And what the public nuisance law states is that when a company causes a harm to the community, a public entity has the right to go and bring a case uh, to go and have these companies remedy the harm that they created instead of relying on taxpayer dollars. And for this specific issue, the community that we've seen harmed the most by social media is the children. And uh, these schools, they stand when the kids are at school in local parentis. They are they stand in the shoes of the parents, and they have a responsibility to make sure that children are safe while on campus. And not only addition do we have to deal with the mental health issues, but we also have seen a uh, ramp up uh, in a disruption to the learning environment uh, as a result of social media. And also, you know, just last year, there were trends on TikTok that were promoting property damage to these school districts. Um, So we've now brought these cases to go and bring light to the issue that has been that we've seen now on school campuses now for 10 plus years. Uh, The mental health issues have only gotten worse. And uh, we want to make sure that there are changes within these companies. And, you know, we we work alongside at the same time while we hope that legislation is made to go and make changes to these companies. uh, We try to make change in the courtroom. And that's what we're trying to do. So 
what would you have these social media companies change? What could they do that would eliminate the nuisance, uh, the public nuisance that you say they are they're causing? Yeah, well, one thing that came clear from last year when uh, France Hagen came out to Congress as a whistleblower from Meta, uh, she advised that Meta and these other companies are in the business truly of addiction because the way they make money is by making sure that their consumer, especially kids, are on their platform as much as possible. Uh, because when they're on the platform, they get to go and collect data, which they sell, and sell advertising. Um, but what they also know is that the way they can keep children on their platform, they got to go and push harmful and divisive content. Because that's really what is keeping the kids on. And at the same time, though, when you're going and pushing that type of material onto children, there are very negative side effects to their mental health. Um, and so what we want to do is have them change their algorithm. We want them to also give the opportunity for there to be parental controls and making sure that when you say that you have to be 13 to join, that they're actually verifying that someone is 13. Um, and so, we're, you know, what we saw... The U.S. Surgeon General comes out last summer and says we have a youth mental health crisis, and a big component of that crisis is social media. The U.S. Surgeon General just two months ago says children under the age of 13 should not be using social media, period, because of how harmful it is to their mental health. So we would just like to see them make some changes to make it safer for children, give parents the opportunity to uh, be able to make decisions for their children, be able to give those parental consent, mm -hmm. uh, be able to see what their children are viewing. Uh, and also we want to open up the lines of communication between these social media companies and these uh, in the school districts because time and time again, we've now seen issues where posts are put on the web, on these platforms and uh, it's harming a child specifically with their mental health. And the districts reach out to these platforms and ask them to pull it down. And we've now seen story and story again where a child takes their life because of something that's been put on the social media platform. District reaches out for them to go and remove it, and they never respond. Or even worse case, they say it doesn't violate uh, their policies. Um, so that's another that's the non-monetary component of what we're trying to achieve in this case. Yeah. So I, I wonder what you make of the opportunity or responsibility maybe of government to uh, rein in some of the big tech companies in the way that they make social media available to young people, either in the state of Michigan or Congress. We have been talking today about some other states that uh, have done that. Do, do you see a role for government here? Oh, absolutely. I think legislation is essential. Uh, to go and create this change. Uh, you know, we've seen it with tobacco. We've seen it with opioids. We've seen it over and over again with companies that put people's health and put profit over people's health and safety. And legislation is always necessary. But at this point, due to the extent of time that there has been no move on legislation, that's a big reason why we're bringing this litigation, because we can't wait any longer. We we want to be able to go get a federal court order requiring these companies to make changes. Mm. So uh, this is a fight uh, against some really big companies, and those companies are really powerful. I, I wonder what you think of your chances uh, in court uh, to, to, to hold them accountable in this way. Oh, well, you know, while they are very large companies that have very large law firms that will be defending them in this case, uh, we we don't look at who's who who really the defendant is of their abilities or their who their lawyers are. Uh, for us, it's the facts and the law. And for us, we we've collected the facts from all of our clients about the harms they've suffered, the issues they've seen, and it being correlated to social media. And we've analyzed the law, and we believe that with the facts and the law, we will have a very strong and successful case against these companies. And at this point, we have a little over 70 school districts in the state of Michigan, mm -hmm. and we're going to end up with, you know, 
thousands of school districts across the country in this litigation. Um, and what what's next, I guess, in, in the stage of the lawsuit? I mean, it takes a long time to litigate these kind oh, yeah. of things. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so right now, uh, the cases are being consolidated into a federal court in the San Francisco area. Um, the defendants will, as in any litigation, will bring motions to dismiss um, this case at the outset. Uh, they, they'll have their arguments. We have ours. Uh, once we go and defeat those motions to dismiss, we'll go into the discovery phase and find all the documents that some which have already been leaked mm-hmm. um, and go through and take depositions all, of all the heads of these companies and the employees of the companies who have knowledge regarding the issues we're talking about. And then I would say probably within two, two and a half years, we're going to trial uh, and making in purpose of trial is not only to hold them accountable, but bring light to these right. issues. Yeah. Um, and that that's kind of this, how this will play out. Yeah. Okay, uh, William Shinoff, attorney at the France Law Group in San Diego, California, representing the Dexter Community Schools and several other school districts here in Michigan against social media companies. Great to have you here to talk about what you're up to. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we're going to talk about all the changes that are happening in the world of artificial intelligence and what these new technologies say about our own intelligence and how we should be feeling about all of the change, the things that computers will soon be able to do instead of us. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow. <laughs>